presenting part one of the full cast audiobook presentation of Dominion, read by the author. One. The gun feels heavy in my lap. Okay, I say, phone pressed to my ear. I will. Thank you. I love you too, Grandma. Bye now. I end the call. My entire body deflates with a heavy sigh. That was it. Saying goodbye was a lot harder than I imagined it would be. That was the last time I'll ever hear my grandma's voice. The only person in my life who I felt ever cared for me. I hope she'll forgive me for this. I know what I need to do. Just raise the gun to my head and be done with it. A simple click of the trigger. That's all it takes. It's just... Why does this have to be so hard? Each time I come to this place, I'm faced with what seems an insurmountable wall. The staggering amount of guts it takes to pull this trigger has always been what's forced me to face another day. I'm such a coward, I can't even end my own life. And that stops now. I squeeze my eyes shut. Then, without affording myself another thought, I raise the gun to the side of my head. The trigger's cold metal hugs my finger. There's a loud bang. Through the sudden near-deafening ring in my ears, I hear a muffled voice somewhere nearby. I open my eyes, vision swimming. It worked. What happened? I say, waving my arms to steady myself. Before I have time to register my environment, I'm blasted by a jet of cold fog that hangs in the air. I flail my arms wildly, screaming the sort of scream you don't want your friends to ever hear or face eternal teasing. Within seconds, the floor rattles to life and sucks the fog down into great events. To my horror, I realize I'm suddenly naked. What happened to my clothes? Contaminants cleared, says a female voice from ceiling intercoms. With the fog clearing and my vision returning, I finally take in my surroundings. My heart falls into my stomach. How is this possible? The very idea is so insane. I'm teetering on the edge of utter panic. I'm on a fucking spaceship! I'm struck by a desperate urge to fall to my knees and search for my gun so I can shoot myself in the face again. Because I know exactly where I am now. I've died and gone to hell. My dad was a huge science fiction fan, a total geek. I'd seen a lot of cheesy sci-fi reruns throughout my childhood. I hated all of them. Tacky low-budget sets and sound effects. I feel like I'm standing in one right now. Metallic walls, command consoles, blinking lights, shiny buttons, things I don't know how to explain. And of course, the big ugly alien staring me down. Just living my childhood nightmare. No biggie. Except I'm supposed to be lying in a pool of my own blood on my bedroom floor, so yeah, kind of a biggie. The alien, a reverse mermaid type of fish person, stands and stares at me in shock, muttering angrily to himself. No, 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 no. This can't be happening. My calculations were precise. Exact measurements and coordinates. I made sure of them. 
Where is the walrus? Where am I? Where are my clothes? I say. The panic is obvious in my voice. But I mean, no shit. Whatever I'm talking to isn't human. And a weird looking fish of all things. I hate fish. The alien paces back and forth, slapping its face with its fins. I can't come all this way to fail now. There's too much at stake. I'm so close to a cure. I dare to clear my throat. throat) What's going on? The alien stops and turns on me, bulbous eyes narrowed and voice hard. What's going on is that my hour of triumph has been stolen from me. You are not supposed to be here. Am I dead? There was a bang. That bang was the sound of this spacecraft's only teleportation device going up in smoke. But I pulled the trigger, I say, not sounding entirely confident. Gods, balls, you're telling me you're trying to kill yourself? Then why couldn't you have finished the job before my systems locked onto you? I was this close. Ah. The alien draws a small pistol-shaped device from his waist and points it at me. I cower and shield my head with my arms. Whatever good that'll do. Please don't, I plead. Didn't you just finish telling me about how you tried to shoot yourself? I'll make it quick, the alien says. The gun powers on with the same cheesy sound effect I'd heard on TV a hundred times over. The experience is surreal. And the question of whether or not I survived the gunshot in my room makes my head swim. I know I pulled the trigger, but now I'm second guessing myself. I don't feel dead. A person would know the difference, right? The alien moves a step towards me. I'm so scared I can't bring myself to look at it. My breath quickens as an overwhelming pressure settles on my chest. Holy shit. I think I'm having a panic attack. The alien touches the gun to my side. I flinch and press myself hard against the wall, incoherent and wild-eyed, my mind paralyzed by the madness of it all. Losing the walrus blood is a major setback, the alien says. But maybe I can make use of you yet. Might be something in your DNA I can work with. Several needles eject from the gun's tip and plunge into my ribs. I gasp as whatever I was injected with burns through me with crippling pain. Then, darkness. I wake up, fighting through the worst case of brain fog I've ever experienced. My entire backside is frozen like I've been plated across a rack of ice cubes. When the fog clears enough for me to make proper sense of anything, I realize I'm naked on a cold metal floor. The shrinkage is unreal. Then, it all comes back to me in a rush. The attempted suicide. The alien. I sit up with a start. I'm in a small storage room. The walls are made up of shelves filled with boxes of unfamiliar technology. And there's a strange smell I can't quite place. But it ain't good. Like, rotting meat. (sighs) I shiver. Might be able to find something to wear in here. I rifle through a set of boxes on a shelf and hear a small voice. I stand still, focus my hearing. A sound like someone being gagged is coming from one of the boxes on the bottom shelf. I remove it and take a look. It's packed with coveralls. Thank God, some clothes. But again, as I'm getting dressed, the muffled call repeats itself, louder now. I empty the box. A black and green wristwatch sits at the bottom. That's cool, 
is like one of those smartwatches that's basically a tiny wrist computer. A small happy face appears on the screen. Oh, thank God, it says. I was afraid I'd end up lost in storage forever. Must be some kind of AI. Pretty good one too, if it can tell it's been stored away. Maybe I can use it to help me figure out where I am. And then what? As far as I can tell, I'm either dead or on an alien spaceship. Where do I go from here? I hold up the watch and tap the display screen. Hey, careful, it says. Break me and I'm done for. How about we keep it hands-free, alright? I stop and take in the novelty, slightly awestruck despite my predicament. I've played around with AI before, but nothing so advanced or self-aware. It's friggin' incredible! How am I able to understand what you guys are saying? Are you speaking English? I ask. The transporter you entered through rewires the brain's language center, it says. Makes for easy communication, otherwise nobody would know what anyone is saying. Oh. Done with the questions? Uh, sure. Good. Now, if you could kindly remove the metal pipe from my arse over there, I would greatly appreciate it. It's not a good look. A glance over my shoulder reveals the source of the awful smell. It's a corpse, I think. If I look at it from this angle, it sort of looks like a bloated, misshapen frog, I guess. Whatever it is definitely has a pipe sticking out of it and smells like death. It's a horrifying sight. Jesus! What the fuck is that? I say. Have some respect, would you? The watch says. That's my dead body you're talking about. That's your body? How does that work? Was it a guy who used to wear you? The dead thing before me, a misshapen heap of flesh that looks more like a nightmarish mass of cancerous cells than a person, squelches and gurgles. It's so gross. I hardly have the stomach to look at it. Ah, forget it, the watch says. There's nothing left worth salvaging now. I'm unrecognizable. Better off getting a new one. A new one? I ask. A new body. I've sent DNA samples of myself to a cloning corporation for situations like this. In the meantime, I'll upload into a droid until a new body arrives by mail. So you're another alien? Not an AI at all? How'd you end up inside a watch? <laughs> I, I can explain later. What's important is we've been granted a rare opportunity. Strap me onto your wrist and we'll make our escape. No, I don't think so. How do I know you're telling me the truth about anything? For all I know, you could be waiting for me to strap you on in order to take over my mind. Don't be stupid! I can't transfer my consciousness into an already inhabited body. The neural chaos would kill us both. I bet you'd say anything to get a piece of this action. Listen, guy. Unless you'd rather wait for the maniac who shoved part of a chair up my arse to come back, I suggest you strap me on so we can help each other. You want to go home, don't you? My butt cheeks clench at the thought of it. I weigh my options. In the event it is an AI leading me into a trap, would I rather have my consciousness invaded and wiped out, or be anally brutalized to death? I strap the watch onto my wrist. So far so good. No brain invasion. That's a good sign, right? The watch smiles. I knew you had it in you. Whatever, I just want to get out of here. What should I call you? Mendax. The smiley display says with a wink. Great to meet you, Jack. Now, if you could scoot over to that panel there, we- Wait, I cut him off. How do you know my name? I never told you my name. I sense his hesitation, but before I'm able to press for answers, 
I hear footsteps echoing from outside the room. Now it's my turn to hesitate. Oh no! I whisper, my throat tight with terror. Follow my instructions, and you might just leave this place with your anus intact. Crouch and hide behind the shelf to your left. The one next to my body, Mendak says. The alien's every footsteps reverberates down the hallway like the final tick-tocks of a clock. The louder they get, the harder my heart pounds inside me until the fear threatens to send me to the edge of madness. What do I do? I hiss. Arm yourself with my arsepipe. I was going to ask you to handle me gently, but at this level of decay, you may as well just have your way with me. There's no going back now. You gotta be fucking kidding me, that's your plan? You got a better idea? You really gotta let him have it. He's tougher than he looks. I glance at the corpse decomposing next to me. I'm so fucking dead. The irony of fighting to survive doesn't escape me, but my death's gotta be on my own terms. I can't go out like this. <laughs> For the love of God, not like this. I step behind what was once Mendax's body and grip the metal pipe sticking out of his ass. I pull. It resists and slips out with a wet fart. The stench is immediate. I gag. Mendax laughs. Then I hurry and hide behind the shelf. I breathe deeply, trying and failing to stay calm. The metallic door opens with a swoosh, and I piss myself. Fuck! I just put these pants on! I nearly shit, too, but Mendax's corpse would mask the smell if I do, so I keep my back pressed against the shelf, too scared to look around. Alright, come on out, Fishface says, stepping inside. We both know there's nowhere for you to go. We skipped a crucial boarding procedure. I've come back to take your temperature. Come out! Bend over so we can both be done with it. I've got a walrus to fish out of the Atlantic Ocean. The alien steps draw near. I hold my breath, failing not to tremble. He steps up on Mendax's corpse and studies it, likely noticing the missing murder weapon. He sniffs and turns his head towards me. His gross fish eyes meet mine. Without another thought, I let loose a primal cry and leap at the bastard, swinging wildly. His face lifts with surprise, not as if frightened, but like he's witnessing a dancing turnip. The idea that I'd attack him was apparently too crazy to consider. Die, you alien motherfucker! I scream. As my blow is about to land, he taps something along his waist and is enveloped by a white energy field. I don't immediately register the protective layer he's put up and continue hammering away. Left to right, right to left, but to no success. I keep wailing until I'm breathing heavily with nothing left to give. Fishface stares at me unblinkingly, single eyebrow raised. You good now? Not even a dent. Fuck you, I say, and raise the pipe for another pointless blow. Wrong answer. My body constricts with sudden pain. I let go of my weapon and drop to the floor, back arching skyward. Through the pain, I glimpse Fishface pointing a weapon at me. A taser from the feel of it is like bathing with a toaster. When my spasms finally end, I lay there flat on my back, the fight now gone out of me. Of course you were going to notice this mess, Fishface says, more to himself than to me, nodding at the corpse. He really doesn't give my intelligence much weight, like my resistance is as effective as a mosquito against a tank. 
I've seen enough hero movies to know there's gotta be a way to use this against them, but I'm in no shape to brainstorm. Fishface leans down and slaps me across the face with a fin. Be good. I want to resist, but my arms and legs are like spaghetti. I'm numb, powerless. He rolls me over onto my stomach. Something cold and thin slides into my anus. I squeak! Here goes my virginity. But it doesn't feel like I'm being impaled to death, so that's kind of a relief. Maybe he wasn't lying about the thermometer. There, that's not so bad, Fishface says. I forget you're barely a civilized ape. Leaving you to your own devices was, in retrospect, a lapse of judgment. I'm trying to keep this humane, you understand. Don't make this any more difficult than it has to be. Kiss my ass, I mumble, face smushed against the floor. I've never been any good at doing what I'm told, even in the face of death with a mystery tube up my ass, apparently. I get a fin to the back of the head. Ow! It's like being slapped by a slice of wet bologna. He shakes his head and sighs in frustration, like he doesn't have time for this. He finally removes the tube. Something wriggles inside my ass. What the fuck is that? I yell, still unable to move. What'd you put inside me? Whoa, 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 Fishface says. You've been given a genetically modified leech to rid your body of harmful toxins. You put a leech in my ass? Ow, ow, it bit me. Oh god, it's eating my ass. I'm screaming now. A pedal to the metal panic-infused wail for my life. I get another slap to the back of the head. It shuts me up. I'm getting sick of those. It's only temporary. Relax, he says. The leech is meant to draw out any potential parasites or diseases you may have unintentionally brought aboard the vessel. You're from an alien planet. I want none of your filth infecting me. I'll extract it once it's fully gorged. How? Bargain brand laxatives. We have to make cuts somewhere, unfortunately. You're telling me I'm gonna have to defecate an engorged leech? How big are we talking here? He grins. You won't be walking quite right for some time. As the implication sets in, sensation returns to my body in the form of a weird tingle in my penis. Hope it's not the leech doing that. Now I'm able to wriggle my toes, and I got pins and needles in my hands. I'm about to try and sit up when Fishface suddenly grabs and yanks me by the wrist, holding me up to face him. My toes hover an inch above the floor. Damn, for Fish he's a lot stronger than he seems. But then, he notices the wristwatch on my arm, and his expression morphs into one of confusion. Where did you get- His words are cut off by a sudden puff of pink mist that swarms his head. It came from the watch! Fishface drops me and I scramble backwards on my hands and feet. He's thrown into a fit of convulsive coughing, panic-slapping his face with his fins. If the circumstances were different, I'd say it looked kind of funny in a Looney Tune sort of way. And a few seconds later, his eyes rolled back into his head and he slumps unconscious to the floor. What are you waiting for? Mendak says. Grab the pipe and finish him. He won't be out for long. I stumble my way over to where the pipe lay next to Fishface and retrieve it. I stand over him, clutching it tightly. After a long moment, Mendak says, This is the part where you hit him until he's dead. I know, I say, but the pipe feels too heavy in my hands. The weight of killing someone defenseless might be more than I can bear. I can't. That was the last trick up my sleeve. If we're going to get out of here, then you gotta do this now. I can't. 
You can! I raise the pipe overhead with trembling hands. My whole body shakes. Is this who I am? Am I capable of killing someone already incapacitated? Couldn't I just tie him up and stuff him in a closet? It feels wrong. We put a leech in your ass. I snap. The pipe descends with enough force to split the alien skull wide open. A rage-infused scream tears from my throat as blue blood splatters my face. I bring the pipe down on his head over and over again, completely lost in the madness of it all. And in this moment, it feels good. It feels like eons worth of agony comes pouring out of me in a blissful fit of fury. When all that's left is a mound of fish paste, I drop the pipe to the floor with a clang of finality. Whatever bloodlust had taken over me is gone. The weight of what I've done sets onto my shoulders. I just kill someone completely powerless to fight back. They don't get any more vulnerable than that. I feel like a monster. But he was going to kill me. So, that shouldn't matter, right? It was like self-defense. If I didn't kill him, then he would have killed me. What other choice did I have? I didn't ask to be here. I wanted to be dead and dreamless. Not accidentally abducted by an alien looking for a fucking walrus. I weep. Two. First time, huh? Mendak says. I just killed somebody, I say. I think I'm in shock. You did good. He needed to go. I need to get out of here. I urge myself from the carnage. I'm not processing this well. Who would? I'm not a murderer. I don't kill people. It's not something a normal person walks away from unfazed. I leave the room and turn right. The corridors look like I'm walking through a Star Wars set. I'm half expecting to run into a droid or a fucking Wookiee. I don't know if I'm even going the right way. I'm running on autopilot when my brain tries to come to terms with my situation. I come to a stop after mindlessly walking past the window. I moonwalk my way back in front of it. I do weird shit when I'm stressed. It's one of my tics. I don't have Tourette's or anything, just a lot of anxiety mixed with a healthy dose of depression. I guess it's my own way of disassociating myself from what's happening. It really annoyed the hell out of my parents. I look out of the window. Despite the mayhem moments earlier, I'm awestruck by the view. It's Earth. Home. A place I thought I'd never miss. Yet, here we are. I'm struck by an earlier thought that doesn't quite sit right. I lift Mendax to my face. You said my name. How could you know that? I ask. I don't know what you're talking about, Mendax says, his little digital face lifting a quizzical eyebrow. You're lying. You were under a lot of stress back there. Sometimes you hear things, you know? Enough with the bullshit! I'm gonna shove you up your own ass if you don't start giving me answers. What's the obsession with asses? Get rid of me and you'll never get off this ship. I curse. Because he's right. I need him and he knows it. But so does he. I was ready to off myself, man. If you want to find out how far you can push me, then be my guest. One way or another, I'm checking out. I assume the clone store has your current address? Alright. Alright, Mendak says. 
Let's get you home already. Sheesh. But I can't do it from inside my own ass. Honestly, if you get me out of here and stay the hell away from me, you can keep all your secrets for all I care, I say. Thanks, Jack. What the fuck, man? It was listed on the teleportation display screen after your coordinates were locked in. Why did you lie? I love messing with people. I can't help myself. Explains the metal pipe lodged up your ass. Believe it or not, I was doing the right thing. I'm just the pilot assigned to this ship. I was assigned to shuttle a scientist across the galaxy on a scientific expedition. They never tell me anything other than what I need to know. Except, I accidentally saw some of his plans. Some real messed up shit. When I called him out on it, he killed me. But I was already a step ahead of him, and managed to sabotage the transporter to explode upon use. Wait, I say, anger rising at the revelation. You're the reason I'm here? Technically, but it wasn't intentional. The coordinates were totally random. I was in a rush. Just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was attempting suicide! Um... Then you're welcome? Aren't you now indebted to me for saving your life? A little gratitude would be nice. Like hell I am. You know what? I am gonna shove you up where the sun don't shine. And then I'm gonna crash this ship into Earth. Go out in a literal blaze of glory. Give humanity proof of alien life. At least that way my death will mean something. You sure you want to do that? He was working on some pretty questionable stuff in here. Microorganisms, the works. You think your species is built to withstand new and potentially deadly viruses? Yeah, that would be a problem. I'm suicidal, but not psychotic. I ain't crazy enough to take someone out with me. Right? I sigh. Just get me the hell out of this place. Mendak smiles. To the bridge! Following his directions, I can't help but feel like this would be my dad's wet dream. Makes me hate it all the more. Forget finding his way back home. We'd never see him again. He'd take over this ship and star-lord his ass out of here. How big is this ship? I ask. Not nearly as big as your mother. Mendax replies. Really? Mom jokes? Aren't you supposed to be from an advanced alien race? Name something more universal than a mother. It's classic across the board. The control room is high-tech and futuristic, like nothing I've ever seen except for in movies. I approach the two pilot seats at the other end of the room and sit down. None of the ship's tech makes sense to me. Connect me to the ship's mainframe, Mendak says. A USB-type prong ejects from the watch. I remove him from my wrist. I stare at the alien computer system, looking up and down every slot. I have no idea what I'm doing. Which one? I ask. Top right corner, next to the green display. I locate what I hope is the correct slot and plug him in. A burst of color spreads out from the entry point in a circle across the computer console. Oh, yeah. Mendak says, his voice now coming from the ship's speaker system. That feels good. I've never piloted a ship this way before. What's it like? I ask. It feels like someone's inside me. I like it. You really gotta make this weird, don't you? I feel a subtle vibration beneath me and several lights blink on and off. What's that? Strap in. I'm setting course for Earth, Mendak says. Entry into your atmosphere is gonna get rocky, but there's nothing to worry about, unless you're a cup of tea. I'm so relieved to be leaving here that I could cry. Fine, I do cry. 
I choke up with emotion and know I'm going to leave this horrible ordeal with major PTSD. Should I join one of those UFO clubs? Share my story? Become one of many claiming to have been abducted and anal probed? I could end up on Joe Rogan for this. Whatever happens, life will never be the same again. What's going to happen to you? I ask, clearing my throat, suppressing a sob. I'll return to the Dominion and hang tight until a new body can be delivered. Besides, they've got the best virtual reality hub in the galaxy. Sounds like a cool place. Only the most ancient races can spot the subtle tells of unreality. It's a huge tourist trap. Some travel light years to experience it only to end up losing their minds, no longer able to differentiate between what's real and what's not. Those ones never leave. What happens to them? Who cares? Dominion's already got their money. Anybody who boards the Dominion agrees to its terms of service. Let me guess, I say, rolling my eyes. It states the Dominion won't be held liable for any harm caused. Intentional or unintentional, Mendax adds. That last part is a bit concerning. What do I care? I'm getting out of here. So this Dominion some kind of galactic amusement park? Depends on who you ask, he says. Like everything else, it started off small. A community of rich guys with big ideas. It eventually grew into an interstellar powerhouse, becoming its own city-state. There's no product or service money can't buy. The firm makes sure of that. The firm? The ones calling the shots. Big wigs with deep pockets. They say they follow intergalactic law, but anyone who crosses them always seems to end up among the virtually insane. Sounds like capitalist hell. I don't say anything. As long as there are rich people, there will be those ready to profit off the suffering of others. It sucks to find out this concept expands beyond Earth. As interesting as this place sounds, I'd rather go back to my happy place, I say. Can we get on with it? How would you like to be delivered? Mendax asks. A cannonball into the ocean, beam down in the middle of a busy street. Perhaps inside your parents' room during old-fashioned coitus. Can't you just drop me off somewhere quietly and unseen? The last thing I want is to be hounded by UFO fanatics for the rest of my life. If you're committed to being a stick-in-the-mud type, then... I guess. A hum of power rumbles through the ship. Buckle up! I double-check my seat safety belt and grasp the edges tightly, knuckles turning white. I take a deep breath to calm my nerves and loosen my grip. Despite initially longing for escape, I feel an overwhelming desire to return. Like, for whatever reason, this could be my second chance at life. But as my hope of returning reaches its height, the view of Earth starts to rotate out of sight. What's going on? I ask. Why are we turning away? Something's wrong. Mendak says. Control of the ship has been overridden. What does that mean? The autopilot system was damaged during the explosion. It's taken control of our trajectory. We're being set on a return course. Back to the Dominion. No! I shout. No, no, no! Do something! I'm trying! But like I said, it's out of my control. Just like I'd seen on TV a hundred times before, the pinprick light of stars begin to stretch towards me. We must be entering hyperdrive. I'm going to be shot across space and time into more of the unknown. So I start hammering the console with both fists in a vain attempt at stopping it, screaming all the while like a madman. There's a whoosh of energy. Starlight now flashes past in ribbons of light. I quit pounding the console. Seems pointless now. I'm fucked. And ten seconds later, 
The ribbons of light recede until I'm faced with an all-encompassing wall of metal. You son of a bitch! I yell. I did everything I could! Mendax says. Bullshit! You're like the ship's brain now! It should have been easy to flip the kill switch! As I say this, I also realize the alternative. What if Mendax never intended to bring me back to Earth? He admits to enjoying mind games. Could he be messing with me even now? You did this on purpose, I say, accusing. <sighs> Calm down, he says. I told you, I've never done this before. It's disorientating. Try being murdered and having your consciousness transferred into a watch, then to a spacecraft, and tell me how it goes. I'm about to say more when the metal wall ahead of us begins to slide open. It's oddly silent, but I remember reading about how sound is unable to travel through space. I bet they can hear the grinding of metal from the inside, though. Take me back, I say, pleading, feeling small. I'm not gonna lie. I'm scared to death. A heartbeat later, we're enveloped by a purple energy field with a loud woof. Take me back, I repeat, more fervently. Sorry, Jack, Mendax says. There's no going back now. Pulled by an invisible force, the ship moves slowly forward into the Dominion's gaping maw. Mendax, please! I'm more terrified than I've ever felt. I can hear the smile in his voice. Welcome to the Dominion. Three. Follow my instructions and you'll walk out of this as ugly as the day you were born, Mendak says. The gravitational beams land the ship into the hangar bay with a thud. The giant metal doors close behind us, sealing us in. Several other different spacecrafts are docked here too, parked in perfectly neat rows. This place is like an automatic parking lot. I try to steady my breathing. I'm practically hyperventilating at this point. I spot someone leaving their ship. It's an octopus-headed dwarf. Okay. Sure. Totally normal. I'm not experiencing existential terror. No way. Not me. A sequence of chimes ring out as the ship begins the process of powering down. The sunburst of color on the control console returns, but this time radiating inward into the plugged watch. The ship completely powers down, and the watch lights up with a familiar smile. Strap me on. Mendak says. What happens now? I ask, placing him onto my left wrist, trying to come to terms with the fact that there's no going back now. What should I expect? The possibilities race through my mind. None of them I want to confront. But it's not like I have a choice. Either someone's going to come looking for me and discover the murders, or I throw myself into the unknown. I'm going inside, one way or another. First, we get you cleaned up, Mendak says. It'll draw suspicion with security if you show up with piss-stained pants. Will anyone look inside the ship? I ask. The people in charge of the mission, obviously. They'd have already received signal of the ship's return. I shift uncomfortably. Aren't they going to go ballistic when they discover the carnage? Which means getting the fuck out of here should be top priority. Mush for brains back there killed me for discovering their plans. Imagine what they're going to do to you. I grab my face and squish it together. I can't believe this is happening. But the Dominion is a big place. 
he continues. All we need to do is get past security and lose ourselves in any of the myriad of establishments. A person could spend their entire existence attempting to visit each one. I can't hide in here forever. Someone will find us eventually. This place can't really be that big. You have no idea. Still. I get it, Jack. Mendak says. This is new territory. You'll see and experience things that will make you question everything you ever believed. This is your life now. Unless you want to spend the rest of it as part of an exhibit, or worse, then you need to learn to blend in. Listen to my advice, and nobody will know the difference. I'm still not fully sure I can trust Mendax, but I don't have many options to work with, so I find a new pair of coveralls from the same box as before, while avoiding stepping in either of the corpses left behind. Get his ID tag. We're gonna need it, Mendax says. I rifle through Fishface's pockets and grab a card. It reads, Dr. Phineas Gills, Cellular Virologist. I can't help but wonder what's going to happen once they track me down for this. Despite what Mendak says, this place can't be big enough to stay hidden forever. I gotta find a way out of here. But to do that, I need somebody able to fly a spaceship. I suspect Mendax won't help until he's got a new body, but I'd rather have someone more dependable ferry me home if I can help it. I leave the ship and make my way through the massive hangar. Others are leaving their ships too. Aliens of all sorts head in the same general direction. I notice the terminals ahead. I try to act natural, falling in step with the others. But it's uh, kind of hard when the person next to you is walking on three tentacles. It's like that feeling when I'm suddenly conscious of the way I'm walking, and all I can think about is how goofy I look, self-conscious about what the person behind me must be thinking. Sort of like that, but amplified. I resist the urge to flinch when anyone looks at me. I feel so out of place. Every fiber of my being is screaming to run for it. The feeling is worsened when I pass this last ship. A variety of aliens are marched out in a row with chains linked around their torsos. The shortest ones who can't reach the floor dangle upside down, their feet kicking comically in the air. But the ones leading them are no laughing matter. They look like dragonkin from World of Warcraft. Hulk-sized men with dragon heads, claws, and scales. I'd totally be geeking out if this were Comic-Con. I may hate Star Trek, but fantasy's my jam. Who are they? I ask, pointing at the captives. Criminals? Maybe some, Mendak says. But each one of them are now property of Darko's Legion. They're slaves? Yep. They might be outlawed in some parts of the galaxy, but as long as it makes money, the Dominion doesn't care. My confidence wavers the closer I approach the terminals. It resembles airport security, with a row of officers waiting to process new arrivals and scanning objects with digital wands. Some of the terminals are larger than others, allowing for passage of larger species. Judging by the size of them, some of the aliens inside must be monumental in scale. It's unnerving. Keep it together, Mendak says. You look suspicious. They'll put you through a random security check. If this is going to work, the less they know, the better. That would be a lot easier to do knowing there wasn't a leech going to town in my ass. Fishface wasn't kidding. I already feel like I gotta take the biggest shit of my life. I'm not looking forward to when I gotta pinch this one out. I got a feeling it's gonna be a screamer. Also, take this earpiece, he adds. A small earbud ejects from a slot on the watch. I place it in my ear. Say something, I say. Something, he repeats. I roll my eyes. It works. 
Before exiting the hangar, I turned back for one last look. I hadn't noticed before. It's all so overwhelming. But as I try to take in the complete scope of the place, I realize it's impossible. Left or right, whichever way I look reveals only an endless corridor of spacecrafts as far as the eye can see. Maybe it's a loop. I'm about to ask Mendax when I'm suddenly shoved forward and fall to my knees. Despite completely losing my shit and nearly having a mental breakdown back on the spaceship, I don't consider myself a pushover. I got anxiety up the wazoo, been depressed longer than I've been happy, but I'll be damned if I let anyone walk all over me. I do enough of that on my own. Instincts urge me to get up and let whoever shoved me have an earful, but it's quickly tempered by the knowledge of where I am. I look up at the brute who knocked me over. He keeps on walking without giving me a second glance, like I'm less than a fly on a wall. Had I responded to his shove with my usual, What's your problem, asshole? He or she or whatever the hell it is would have torn me a new one. I'm not at a pub, and the offender's not your typical drunk, so the tough guy look I put on would only serve to get me killed. And who am I kidding? I couldn't act tough right now if I tried. I'm out of my comfort zone and scared shitless. The psychological mindfuck alone is enough to turn me outright insane. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I pause to wonder if it already didn't. The monstrosity that knocked me over is an amalgamation of man, beast, and technology, bearing a horse's head on a powerful humanoid torso atop robotic spider legs. I watch as he heads for a wider terminal supportive of his larger frame. He obviously doesn't think much of the security officers either, posturing and snorting aggressively, annoyed. The officers scan him with a handheld device and wave him through. Beyond the terminal, the monster disappears into a purple portal. Alright, that doesn't look so bad. Now that I've seen the process, I know what to expect. Just gotta look like I belong and bullshit my way through this. I'm waved over by an officer as I approach the terminal closest to me. So far, all of the officers I've seen appear to be of the same humanoid-shaped build, while slightly larger than the average human. Actually, now that I'm close enough for a better look, I can tell they're androids. The Dominion uses robots for security. Identification, it says, voice flat, but also bored. I reach into my pants pocket and withdraw the card I took off Fishface. He doesn't have his face on it, so I hope this works. The android takes the card from me. Its eyes flash red as it scans the information, and then me from head to toe. Dr. Gills, it says, voice now more alert. I nod. Yep. We stare at each other in silence for an uncomfortably long moment. I resist the urge to fidget. It finally breaks the silence. Congratulations. You've been selected for a random security search. Please deposit your belongings and come with me. Shit, shit, shit. Well, what's the problem? I ask. Deposit your belongings and come with me. It repeats, more forcefully. Mendax, I whisper, an edge to my voice. Damn, he says in my ear. Just keep it together. Don't resist. It could have detected the leech you're carrying during its scan. Needs to make sure it's not a safety risk. I'm led into a cylindrical dome where a more thorough scan of my person is conducted. It lasts all but two seconds. A red light changes from red to green, and a digital voice says, No explosive detected. 
The android directs me to step out and returns the card to my hand. You are cleared to continue, it says. Welcome to the Dominion. I try not to visibly sigh with relief. The android returns to his post, leaving me free to access the glowing portal. It glows and shimmers with purple light, energy rippling over it like an oil spill. I approach it with caution, not exactly comfortable with the idea of what's waiting for me on the other side. A carnival freak show ready to chew me up and spit me out. When I hesitate long enough to reach the limits of his patience, Mendak says, This is a lot to take in. I get it. But we can't afford to slow down and draw suspicion. We need to go. Now. The only way back is forward, I think. I take a deep breath, close my eyes, and step through the portal. My eyes snap open. The metallic airport ambience is immediately replaced by the loud and bustling sounds of a city in full steam. From atop a spiraling pyramid lined with portals, I find myself staring across a vast metropolis with a starry night sky pulsing with vibrant auroras. And just like the hangar, there's no end in sight. Where are we? I say. The Dominion, Mendak says, like it's obvious. And one of its many flaws. The location all depends on where you dock. This is one of the busiest. We're still inside a space station? It looks like the surface of an alien planet. I've never seen anything like it. Pretty cool, right? All but the bottom floors have artificial skies, which looks great till some idiot throws up a giant winking anus. Superbia usually keeps it classy. Who's Superbia? A bigwig with a big head. One of seven members of the firm. They own the place. We're in one of the sectors he sponsors. How does that work? Is he some kind of philanthropist? Gotham's very own Thomas Wayne? You see that hard-to-miss building off in the distance? Looks a bit dated, but people love it. The amphitheater? Yes, that's the one. It's the reason for Superbia's patronage. A huge tourist trap. It hosts the bloodiest and deadliest gladiator-style games around the clock. Not a bad spot to kill some time, but the real fun happens during Superbia's weekly main events. I get it. He's just another rich asshole. You wouldn't be the first to think it. And if you like to say it to his face, all you gotta do is sign up for his tournament. He welcomes all who would challenge him. Whoa, I say, my opinion of the guy changing slightly. He actually participates in the fights. That's bold. Didn't you say the stakes are life and death? And now we approach the reason for his big head. He's never lost a fight. Never. Like, never, ever. Jesus, this guy must be huge. Not much bigger than you are, actually. Can't say the same about some of his contenders, though. So he's a god, then? Small G. He might think so, but he's no god. It's all in the suit. Super-powered, mechanized armor built from advanced networks of nanobots. It's capable of immediate self-repair, making it near indestructible. When you got cash to throw around like the ones at the top, your resources are near limitless. Okay, so less Thomas Wayne and more Tony Stark. Gotcha. But why would anyone enter the tournament if he's never been defeated? It seems crazy, like a death sentence. For the chance to be the one to dethrone Superbia, there's a lot of glory to be had, with a lot of dirty sex to follow. I roll my eyes. Well, when you put it like that... I must seem out of place because the gaze of a nearby android lingers on me. 
Best to keep moving until I'm somewhere out of sight before staring slack-jawed at this new world I've been forced into. Gift shops, inns, restaurants, clothing stores, and shops selling things I can't begin to explain populate the spiral path leading down to the base of the pyramid. Some businesses are built into the metal structure itself, others have set up shop using mobile booths. And the diversity! If I thought the horse-faced spider cyborg was a freak show, I definitely wasn't prepared for what I see now. Aliens of all shapes and sizes with various degrees of tech built into them. A particularly ugly one with six eyes winks at me. I shiver. I can't help but notice all the holographic screens lit across the place. They all play the same video of two aliens mid-interview. It sounds like what you're saying is we're still no closer to a cure than we were when this pandemic began. Says a journalist, pink and hairy. Unfortunately, this virus is unlike anything we've seen before. The other alien says, a shriveled old man who's dressed in a white lab coat. He has two goblin-like ears. That's easy to say, but it doesn't help the countless lives still living with a degenerative disease no one knows anything about. We have our best minds working on a vaccine as we speak. Please understand, these things take time. This type of mass suffering has been unheard of for generations. Medicine has never been more readily available and effective. As I've said, it's unlike anything we've seen before. All methods tracing back to points of contact seem to indicate it appears randomly, but exclusively among the poorest sectors. With the infected being sent to the quarantine zone, are you able to explain how an outbreak begins? Especially seeing as it can happen on any floor. Biology is complex. The most supported theory suggests an infected food supply is to blame. Possibly exotic meat, passing through the black market, carrying unknown pathogens. You know how those unsavory types operate. The journalist nods her head. What assurances can the firm afford the people of the Dominion in these uncertain times? You know as well as I do, the farm's only concern is the exchange of wealth. Those with the means to do so will be fine. Great. I'm not only lost in space, I also gotta watch out for the fucking plague too. I never gave it much thought before, but... I could totally die from illness here. There's gotta be all kinds of bacteria my immune system's not equipped to deal with. Like how Europeans traded smallpox for syphilis with Native Americans. In theory, I could also be a potential risk to others with unknown bacteria of my own. But I guess that's what the leech in my ass is for. I feel it shift once in a while. It's disturbing. What do I do now? I ask. I need a body. Being stuck on your wrist is getting lame. There's a decent rent-a-droid near the bottom we can drink out. Mendax says. Does it cost anything? How are we going to pay for it? I have an account tied to this watch with access to personal funds. It's pretty basic, actually. Oh, I say, continuing down the path. A bustling square spreads out at the bottom. I spot the place Mendax described lit in blue neon lights. 
The name Rent-A-Droid blinks every so often. What's more is things are a lot grimier here at ground level. From atop the futuristic pyramid, the sight was awe-inspiring. Not so much from down here. I moved to win my way through the crowded space of aliens buying and selling goods and services from makeshift stalls. You're being followed, Mendak says. What? Really? Security's already caught on? I whip my head back and forth, searching for android pursuers. I don't see any. Don't be so obvious. Whoever it is, it's best they don't know you're onto them. We'll lose them in the crowd, but whatever you do, you have to get me to rent a droid. I can't help it. I chance a glance over my shoulder and immediately make eye contact with a dark-skinned man with a solitary laser eye focused on me. He's no giant, but still a mountain of a dude suited in battle gear sporting long dreads. A massive sword is strapped to his back. I run. Anyone carrying a sword twice my size can't be good for my health. Aliens shout at me as I accidentally bump into them, but I don't care. I just run. I don't even know where I'm running to, so long as it's away. I look back to see if I'm still being followed. He's closer now. Fuck! I race past the Renadroid, thinking to hell with Mandax right now, and run down a short and narrow alleyway. My pursuer follows. I don't look back, but I can hear his feet pounding behind me. He hasn't called out for me to stop. I can't help but feel like that's a bad sign. If he doesn't plan on hurting me, he'd have taken a less aggressive approach, right? I barrel out of the alley and into a courtyard in full sprint. A crowd is gathered around someone speaking from up on a raised stone dais. With my pulse beating in my ears, I don't hear what's being said, but the congregation cheers. I know an opportunity when I see one, so I shoulder my way through the gathering and lose myself inside the sea of aliens. I look back. The Cyclops' iron gaze has broken. He scans the crowd looking for me. I continue forward, squished and squeezing my way through whatever this group has gathered for. The question is answered as I get closer and able to make sense of the speaker. They work you to death. And what do you get? A weekend overtime pizza party, the voice says. Some of the crowd boos. Can you believe this asshole's talking shit about pizza? Someone in the crowd says. You're missing the point, idiot. Another responds. But, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. Their disregard for the sick is proof enough that they do not deserve your loyalty. They are nothing without your labor. But you can be so much more without them. Join the Union and take back your worth. Looks like I've walked in on a protest. A squad of security droids come to confront the speaker, who turns out to be a frog person, and work on breaking up the crowd. I don't stop moving. The big scary Psychops guy is still working on finding me. In there, Mendak says. Find a seat at the back. I look up at the building I'm passing by. The name Hyukyuks is written above the entrance. Open mic flashes on and off in neon tubes above a window framed by two laughing heads. With a final cautionary look back, I slip unseen into the alien comedy club. Four. I enter a small, dimly lit lobby. Two brutish orc-like monsters usher people through a line while patting them down for hidden weapons. 
Apparently, they found some devious device on a slender, blue-skinned guy and slapped him upside his head before pointing a finger to a sign above the door. It reads, Deposit all personal belongings before entering venue. The blue alien rubs a sore spot on the side of his head and drops a device in a bin. One of the orcs grab him by the shoulder and push him through, impatient to keep the line moving. Maybe they don't want any comedians getting shot for an off-color joke. I hope wearing a watch doesn't qualify as a threat. I'm screwed without Mendax. When it's my turn to get felt up by the Lord of the Rings rejects, I stretch my arms out and assume a frisking position. They give me a quick satisfied pat down and nod for me to keep walking. They barely give me a glance, actually. Do I look that non-threatening? I mean, I'm no Sean Bean, but if I had to take Elijah Wood on in a fight, I think I could manage. (laughs) Once I realize how crazy I am for caring about any of that right now, I give myself a mental slap on the wrist. Owie! I don't have time for that macho posturing bullshit. I gotta keep my head down and keep moving. In the main showroom, I walk into an open atmosphere with people laughing. Sounds like whoever's on stage is killing it. But I don't slow down enough to take notice. I scope out the place, and when I see the darkest corner of the room, I make a straight line for it. My ass makes contact with the booth, and I slide against the wall, trying not to look noticeable. Who the hell was that? I say, eyes focused on the entrance. Haven't the foggiest, Mendak says. But he was ugly. We got to get back to Rentadroid. I desperately need a body. And I don't want to end up on the wrong end of that sword. I'll get there when I can. Why would he be following me? He didn't look like he was with the security droids. The Dominion is a big place. A steady flow of tourists brings grifters, thieves, and worse. You're a spring chicken, just waiting to be plucked. An alien with folds upon folds of skin approaches our table. I tense. Welcome to Hyakyax. What can I get you, buddy? The pudgy alien says. Um, what do you recommend? I ask. Please don't tell me there's a space special, I think. I already have a growing leech in my ass. I don't need something else bursting out of my stomach for song and dance. You could always get the special. I cut her off. Uh, no, not not that. She nods. Well, if you're not hungry, you can't go wrong with a tall glass of space piss. Space... what? I say, trailing off in disbelief. Did I hear that right? Space piss. She repeats. Is it actual urine? She laughs. <laughs> you wish. You need to go next door if that's what you're into. But if the price is right, I can personally be of service. She winks. Uh, no thanks. Just a space piss, I guess. The server nods, then moves on to another table. A cheer erupts across the room. The gathered patrons clap their hands, fins, and tentacles as a furry little creature walks off stage, waving to the crowd. (gasps) Looks a bit like Gizmo from Gremlins! A big metal armadillo takes the stage and speaks into the mic. His lips move, but there's no sound. He shakes a fist. I said it's not working! He shouts. A piercing feedback loop suddenly blasts from the speakers. Several aliens cover their ears. There it is. Dancing Carol Merle! Anyway, everybody please give another round of applause to the ever hilarious Little Sprinkles! The room erupts in another round of applause. More like Little Cutie, am I right? 
Next up is a newcomer ready to test his chops against the baddest crowd in town. You know the drill. Sam Pecking, if a nobody's laughing, come on and make some noise for Dunkus! Armadillo Man says to more cheers. An alien built like a dog-shaped balloon animal inches forward slowly up the stage. His head hangs low, and a ragged tangle of hair covers his face. He clears his throat in the mic. Have kids, they said, Dungus says. Sounds like he's living a traumatic experience. If I could see his eyes, I bet there'd be a thousand yards there. It's fulfilling in ways you could never imagine. But instead... What's filling itself full is that bottomless pit of never-ending consumption. Give me a snack, Daddy. Some of the crowd begin to boo. Please, Daddy. Another snack. Dungus continues, his tone becoming manic. I don't think this is a bit, I say. Yeah, but what's funnier than witnessing a mental breakdown in real time? Mendak says. Get off the stage. A heckler cries out. Just one more snack, Daddy! Well, what did that snack do to him, huh? Dungus is completely out of his mind now, eyes literally popping out cartoonishly beyond his ragged hair. By this point, everybody's hurling insults. I don't understand half of them. Then another ragged hair balloon animal makes their way through the room of hecklers and takes a stand next to Dungus. Excuse me? She says in a squeaky voice. But the crowd refuses to relent. How can you be so cruel? Can't you see my husband is suffering? None of you have a single idea how stressful being accused of child endangerment is. So what if the doctors say Dingus is crippled for life? Had my husband not drop kicked our child away from the magma grill, he wouldn't have a spine left to correct. That being said, we've set up a lovely little donation box out in the lobby for our little one's spinal reconstruction surgery. As she and her husband are booed off stage, she squeaks back one last time. No child abuse images! The crowd goes bananas! This place is amazing! Mendak says with utter delight. I have to admit, it's entertaining. The server returns with my drink. One tall glass of space piss. Enjoy. Thank you, I say, accepting the glowing neon yellow liquid. Mendax chimes in when I don't take a drink. Only one of us is capable of drinking that, you know. I stare uncertainly at the bubbling glass. How can I be sure this won't melt my insides? I'll pass, I say. The metal armadillo returns and takes the mic. He points to an orc standing by the entrance. Take whatever they need and throw them out of here, dumb fucks. Everyone laughs. Armadillo guy continues. Where's a polite cleanser when you need one, eh? How about we get Yuck Yuck's very own urn of the dock and fern to come up and turn those frowns upside down? You know the drill. Now make some noise. The room erupts in cheers when a short and slender alien with a blue tuft of hair takes the stage. He sort of got that beaker look going on. Speaking in a slow drawl, he says, One-eyed worm. And whips his dick out. The crowd goes absolutely bonkus wonkus. An ape-like alien smashes a chair over his head in the excitement. 
I have to admit, it's ridiculous. But the energy is infectious. It's hard not to have a good time when everyone else is. That feeling is instantly quashed when I notice the entrance doors swing open and see who walks in. I melt into my seat, trying to be as small as possible. Fuck, I say with a hiss. Mendax, big, tall, and ugly just walked in. Did he see you? Mendax asks. No, he's scanning the room, but he hasn't spotted me yet. What do I do? Urn of the Dock in the Fern draws a laugh from the crowd. Mr. Cyclops begins a circuit around the comedy club. I sink lower into my seat. Uh, excuse me? Someone stands up, addressing the comedian. It's a short, curvaceous android with a I'm gonna need to speak to a manager haircut. I call her Robo Karen. Uh, you can't joke about that? She says. A chorus of boos fill the room. Some type of fried meat is thrown at her. Robo Karen doesn't ease up. My friend's third cousin's professor's nephew suffers with that condition, and your joke is quite frankly in poor taste. Shut the fuck up! Someone shouts. Robo Karen turns on the crowd. If you assholes don't quit triggering me, I'll. I'll. The ape who broke the chair over his head jumps up onto a table. Did someone say the word trigger? That's my trigger! Someone from across the room says, No, she said the word triggering! The ape's eyes nearly bulge out of his head now, fangs barred, muscles taut. It matters not! The damage is done now! <laughs> the ape springs forward and grabs Robo Karen by the head as he soars above her mid-air, yanking it off and lobbing it with a smooth motion. Her now headless body twitches and spasms before dropping to the floor. As her head sails across the room, I hear it shout, I want to speak to the The room erupts in chaos. Patrons fight each other, grabbing anything they can get their hands on and beating whoever's closest. Another voice cries out, Oh my god, the severed urn of the dock and fern, one-eyed worm! The huge armadillo cannonballs into my boot, smashing it to bits and spraying space piss everywhere and misses me by the skin of my teeth. A boulder-sized hole in the wall is left in his wake. It leads to a back alley. Whoever threw him across the room must possess colossal strength. Incoming, Mendax warns. I peer back into the chaos, brutalizing his way through the mosh pit of brawlers. Big, tall, and ugly's glowing red eye is trained on me. Damn it! The hunt resumes. I step over the debris and dash into the alley through the hole in the wall. Armadillo guys laid sprawled unconscious against a metal trash bin. Some feet above him is a steel ladder leading up to a stairwell. An open window calls out to me, promising escape. My climb is filled with adrenaline and terror, pushing me to my limits. I reach the window and rush in just as the cyclops crawls through the busted wall, hoping I wasn't seen. I enter a red-lit hallway. Several doors line the wall opposite of the window. A faint scent of sweat and body odor permeates the air, accompanied by a 70s-era porno soundtrack. Oh, God. What now? I think. I take one step forward before stopping in my tracks. Five rooms down, a door bursts open. 
A pig-like humanoid is violently thrown into the hallway, followed by a gray ogre who steps out and kicks him in the gut. No money, no service, the ogre says. Lux ain't running a charity. He finishes by giving Porker another kick for good measure before reaching down and dragging him out. I'm worried I'll get the same treatment if I'm seen here, so I reach for the nearest door, luckily finding it unlocked, and quickly sneak inside. Which... might have been a mistake. Oh, hell yes! Mendax says excitedly. Jack, I had no idea you were a man of culture. A robot dominatrix stands center room, one hand on hip, holding a whip in the other. She's vaguely humanoid in form, but mostly featureless. An entire catalog's worth of various sized sex toys and torture devices line the wall. Behind her is a table meant for strapping down clients. I stare ahead like a deer caught in headlights, fearing I might have been better off out there. Are you ready for your spanking, little man? She says with a snap of her whip. Fuck that! I spin on my heels and seize the door handle. I pull, but hear a snap, and it locks. The bitch locked me in! Mmm, she says, her voice low and sultry. It wouldn't be right to let you lose without correcting the naughty behavior. The whip snaps the air inches from my ass. I hammer the door with my fists and shout, I'm not a paying customer! I'm not a paying customer! The whip lashes out and wraps around my throat, choking my windpipe. With a rough jerk, she drops me to my ass. I gasp and try to loosen the grip. The sound of gears whirring makes me look up. Attached to one of her arms like a military add-on is a tentacle-shaped dildo. On a drill. Heaven save me. The door bursts open. Thank you, Jesus. Or in this case, a seven-foot ogre in dire need of dermatological care. I may get a bone-cracking kick in the ribs, but it's better than getting my insides rearranged. The ogre takes one look into the room. His eyes fall on the dominatrix and go wide. He lifts his hands in a warding gesture and slowly steps his way back out of the room, never taking his eyes off the robot. His stomping retreat echoes down the hall. That does not inspire confidence. When even the bouncer is wary of getting close, I think it's safe to say I'm beyond fucked. I struggle to loosen the grip, but it's no use. I choke and gasp for breath, the edges of my vision darkening. Whoever's paying for this twisted fantasy is getting their money's worth, that's for damn sure. Her reviews must be off the charts. So I switch tactics. Instead of fighting against her, I attempt to roll backwards hoping to slacken the whip's tension enough to offer some breathing room. But before I'm able to, a metal hand grips me by the hair and lifts me off the floor. I can feel my eyes bulging from their sockets now, the world growing ever darker. With her other hand, the dominatrix loosens the whip from my neck and I inhale a massive lungful of air. Such a naughty boy, she says. But that's why you were sent to Madame, isn't that right? Disrespectful worms need to be whipped into submission. The Madame snaps the whip with a resounding crack. Her head slowly tilts sideways, eyes glowing red. And for the ones who need special attention, I give a mean blowjob. 
A hole opens wide on her featureless face where her mouth should be, revealing a blender lined with jagged shards of metal. I stare into her face hole in terror. I think I just pissed myself again. I can't be sure considering my lower body is numb with horror, but I think this is where I would piss myself. With a clone handy, I'd call this a party, Mendax says in my ear. But we unfortunately don't have time for this. Point me out of her. Resolved to avoid genital mutilation, I raise my hand to her face and flip her the bird. Go fuck yourself, I say. A wire shoots from the watch and straight into the back of her mouth, electrocuting her. Mendax's watch apparently serves as a taser. The madam drops me to the floor and convulses as a burst of electricity surges through her. Regrettably, it's short-lived as the fall pulls the wire down across her jagged teeth and severs the connection. The madam spasms and jitters like she's jacked up on juice. Her eyes twitch madly, never focusing on one place for more than a second. That's until they lock onto me, and the penis blender activates. I run. The madam erupts in maniacal laughter, taunting me with a glitching sing-song voice. <laughs> the naughty boy still hasn't learned his manners, huh? Shouts of pain and pleasure drift from each room as I pass, 70s porn music still playing. She pursues me through the red-lit hallway, bowling through anyone who stands in her way. I fumble down the stairs and reach the main lobby where I burst through the doors and find it filled with people waiting their turn for a room of their own. I slam the door shut behind me and cry out in panic. She's trying to blow me! The room falls silent. Betraying hints of concern, everyone first stares at me and then at one another. She's trying to blow them. Do you think she'll try and blow us? I do not give consent! I do not give consent! With sudden force, I'm thrown forward as the madam smashes her way through the doors. Her head twitches madly. Come here, boys. Cause I'm gonna blow every single one of you. The room erupts in instantaneous panic. Eager patrons clamor over themselves in a bid to reach the exit first. Even the oversized bouncers run for their lives. The madam pounces on the crowd, whipping them as she laughs in ecstasy. I take advantage of the chaos and make for an open window no one has bothered with. I stumble through and fall onto my back. Only to stare up into the faces of three dragonkin slave traders. They look down at me, grinning like they just spotted a lucky $5 bill on the curb. Damn! Mendak says, this might be a problem. Thank you for listening to part one of the Full Cast Dominion audiobook, featuring the voices of George Brandlin as Fishface slash Dr. Phineas Gills, Eurasian Rob as Mendax, Arden Shane as Dr. Fotz, the Skylar Drake as Metal Armadillo MC. Ren as The Madam. My wife, who wishes to remain nameless, as The Journalist and Server. And finally me, Nemo, the author, as Jack. Stay tuned for part two coming by the end of July. 
Nemo hopes you've enjoyed this program.